Hey, Felk, a few weeks back, yeah, um, we were talking about trampolines. Yeah. And uh, you were saying... They're dangerous and a threat to humanity. Yeah, exactly. They're dangerous and a threat to humanity. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I know some people that have been injured in trampolines, and myself, I was injured as a, you know, a younger adult uh, on a trampoline as well. And then I, but then I laughed in your face, and I laughed in the face of danger, as uh, Simba said. You've seen also the Simpsons episode in which you, a trampoline wrecks havoc on the Simpsons family. Oh, yeah. Well, also, but they also have it be amazing because they charge for it. Yeah. So I got my trampoline that I said I was getting as I laughed in the face of danger. Yeah. And um, it was going well for a long time. It always does until it doesn't. Yeah. Well, with trampolines. it actually didn't. And I, uh, I partially ruptured my Achilles tendon. Okay. Yay! I told you so. I mean, I, 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 it's hard to feel sympathy for somebody who's like, hey, I, I, I'm going to hammer this bullet. And it's like, no, don't do that. And then the person does it. <laughs> you don't feel bad for that person. Trampolines are dangerous. And there, there's your cold open end. That's perfect. Uh. Live from Cool Boys Central. You're the boss down there. I'm boss up here. Hold your dicks and rub your tits. You'll be ice cold. Here come the cool boys. Just the young boys. <gasps> 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 so cool. So cool, so cool. Oh, cool boy. That was a good. That was a. That was a solid cold open. There yeah. you go. And now I have a lot to read here. A very special greetings, Cool Boy Nation, and welcome to a special on the spectrum and most important patriotic installment. Oh, it's not at all Americans, Ballard, of the Cool Boys podcast calling all special boys America at World War Two. Also, Britain, uh, special autism spoiler case, spoiler cast edition special. You know what they used to say in World War Two? I think World War Two just started. <laughs> I'm World War Two Felk. And I'm just started Ballard. Uh-huh. <laughs> So cool. <laughs> this episode, we will be discussing on the spectrum heroes from World War II suffering from autism. <laughs> Not the terminology I would use. Uh, but first, Ballard has an update. A very important update, too. Ballard, please open up to us. Please. No one will judge you. No one is here. No one is listening. Time to let those baby bird updates fly out of that Papa Ballard bird nest and let us all in. <gasps> Tell us, my dear sweet Ballard. Oh, tell us, sweetums. Tell us what the fuck just happened to you. That's good enough. Uh, that you must share as an official Cool Boys update, other than the trampoline thing. Yeah. Probably something life-changing or life-ending, perhaps. Okay. <gasps> Who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Please, but please, <laughs> my big fat Ballard, smack my tits and explain it to my cock. We're, yeah, we're running out of it's, it's just like sound bites at this point. <laughs> this is like in the fourth season where like two episodes are, are uh, clip shows. Uh, regale us with your always entertaining stories that literally go nowhere other than into some retarded fit of whiny and nasally Ballard laughter. That sounds like he is dying from lung cancer. Is that it, Ballard? Are you finally going to die from lung cancer? This is insensitive to people who have lung cancer. If you are going to die. Can I please get some of that sweet meat or <gasps> sweet meat? Ooh. Ooh, does that mean <laughs> fuck you? Why? What does that mean? I just got to get in that ass before you die. Uh, just blasting <clears throat> monster loads in your anus, one after another, after another, over and over again in the air conditioned warehouse for one week like it was my job. 
<sighs> but I would be allowed to eat, sleep, drink, crush with breaks. You put these at the end. Why are you putting it at the beginning? <laughs> and upon completion, I would win $25 million, a free trip to Vegas, which is way less <gasps> worth than $25 million, and become yeah. the most famous man in the whole wide world, known globally as Mr. Vegas. <laughs> If you knew I was editing this one, why'd you put in all the things that you do so you can put in sound bites? Oh, I'm not putting in any sound bites. Because you know I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, they, I wrote this for you. It was that or have to get 60 cave trolls. Oh, Colin Justin. <gasps> he knows about caves. With two foot hard-ons coming in my pussy for 2.5 <laughs> days straight with no breaks, no eat, no sleep, no drink, <laughs> no crush. It takes a human three days to die of dehydration. <laughs> Oh, that's five days, according to 127 hours. Three uh, days. Uh, but you can still... Oh, he had water, though. He had some water. But you can still suck the sweat off the 60 cave trolls throbbing erections. And nobody would ever hear about it, ever. Is this a would you rather? <laughs> but afterwards, I would get to marry the girl of my dreams. But y'all know, Felk, that's me. I'm never getting marries. I, uh, maybe I will. Who knows? Who knows anymore? <gasps> Fuck that shit. I say, give me that Ballard ass. I need to start blasting monster loads in Uranus, one after another after another. Again, you, uh, this is like the tippity top, top of the. <laughs> yeah. uh, over and over again in an air conditioned warehouse for one week, like it was my job. Okay. This is, uh, but I, I would be allowed to eat, sleep, drink, crush. This is when people turn off, and this is why we never get listeners. Crush with breaks, and upon completion, I would win $25 million, a free trip to Vegas, and become the most famous man in the whole wide world known globally as Mr. Vegas. That's Mr. Vegas. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ballard, Vegas. what's your fucking update, you flashes little snowflake? You're, you're writing also that I'm, like, mean to you for no reason. <laughs> Why are you so mean to me? <laughs> I'm not normally this mean to you. I don't know why you write me. Like, write the felt character is now, like, really hostile. I just love this idea. You're just chastising this, this other person on your podcast. I don't know. It's funny. Like you do to Steve? <laughs> oh, well, I, I guess I don't write it for him. I just kind of control it yeah. for him. <laughs> you can't write Steve it. content. Mm. That, this read would have taken fucking 45 minutes. <laughs> it would have been the whole episode. So, Ballard, <laughs> what's your... I don't want to say fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not true. Steve says fuck all the time. I don't know why. It's like He's, he's not like uh, uptight uh, on uh, swearing. <laughs> type of people no cusses are okay cusses are okay so is weed yeah clearly um what's your update so yeah, my update is i saw midway holy shit new midway and i've seen both midwaves so we'll, we'll we'll go over them in a quick little cool boy spoiler cast edition it's time for spoilers So juicy. I also re recently watched the uh, Netflix edition of uh, World War II in color, which which inspired this episode. Uh, but also, like each episode was a big event, and I, I watched the Midway episode and found it to be the most boring episode of that season. <laughs> well, it doesn't. Uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's for sure. So. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the 1970s Midway film uh, is okay. 
you know, it's very 1970s propaganda American war film. Uh, big cast and far too much story to tell in one movie, so they just they try to tell it. Uh, the interesting thing about the 1970s story, I guess, is that they use some archival footage uh, shot from the um, the actual Battle of Midway. Moving on. Oh, I guess I said the uh, 1970s film, I'll say three out of five boys. Okay. Because they got the archival footage in there. It was nice. And stuff that John Ford apparently actually shot um, on the uh, island of Midway. And then this uh, new Midway film. Directed by Roland Emmerich. I was really excited to see it. Really, really, really excited to see it. And Yeah, I, you, you, uh, you tried to get us to do a spoiler cast when it was I in did. theaters. Back well, that's what this is. <laughs> and, of course, had I known I'd never be allowed to go to a theater again, I would have gone to the theater gladly to see Midway. But at the time, I thought, ha, theaters will be around forever. I'll just rent this one on digital. And then, of course, never rented it. Never, no, and uh, you shouldn't. Well. Because it's not that good. <laughs> it's actually, uh, some people have claimed it to be uh, one of the most accurate uh, naval films uh, out there. Um, Better than U-571? I think it's definitely more accurate than U-571. Um it, it it is I guess accurate. They, you can see like how they try to portray things. Like there's people are you know promoted right away. I think I read that on Wikipedia. They talked about this one part where like um, like in JJ Abrams Star Trek, the, one of the Jonas Brothers like is like promoted immediately after shooting down a zero that was coming at the uh, the uh, the aircraft carrier. Yeah. And uh, and and so in the movie it's like as soon as he gets out of the sh- out of the you know away from the gun and out of the plane. He's, everyone's just like, you're promoted. <laughs> like, it's like one of those things. So it's kind of like cheap in that sense. But um, in kind of the way it all went down and, you know, kind of trying to follow the the actual like timeline. Of, it, it did a fairly good job of it. I think that's what hinders the movie. Yep. I think I give it 2.5 out of 5 boys, just a little under the older one, the 70s one. Um, mostly just because them trying to stay, stay so historically accurate kind of like sucks all the soul out of the movie. It just, like, removes all this, like, kind of... Although the, the ability to resonate with a character, because um, you're just bouncing around so many different characters because they're trying to show it from so many different aspects, because it really is, like, a retelling of that battle, but also, it, in a lot of ways, it's a remake of the uh, 70s film. Um, but this movie, I, I, I was so excited to see it, Falcon. It was a little let down, because the A-list cast is a who's who of Hollywood. Yeah. You had Luke Evans... Ed Screen, Patrick Wilson, Mandy Moore, mm. Woody Harrelson, Dennis Quaid, mm-hmm. Aaron Eckhart, Darren Chris. <laughs> what? Sounds like a porn star. <laughs> Dada Nobu Asano, Nick Jonas, Keenan Johnson, Who's Luke Klein Tank, and Etushi Toyokawa. Let's look up Darren Chris real quick. Darren Chris is an American actor, singer, and songwriter. He rose to fame starring on the television series Glee, of uh, a show that mysteriously had like five cast members die or or do yeah, horrible yeah. things and kill themselves. So I think the whole cast has been killed now. Well, Darren Chris is still alive. Uh, so mm. doing your time's running out. <laughs> yeah, you better watch your shoulders. Check your six. Um. Now I noticed so, two of these names sound Japanese. Yeah, well they had some they had some famous Japanese actors in there. Um Felk, who's your fuck me from that list? Well, only one of them is a woman. So I picked uh, Mandy Moore. 
Yeah, Mandy Moore's pretty hot. I actually think Mandy Moore's pretty hot. If you remove the one woman and thus make me pick a a man to fuck, ooh. Dennis Dennis Quaid, probably. I mean, Luke Evans is gay, so he would know what he's doing. Yeah, see, I think I would either go with Luke Evans or Patrick Wilson, honestly. That's so weird. But, like, he's like a heartthrob. Because, like, women, I guess, are into Luke Evans. Maybe. But like, I thought you were about to talk about Patrick Wilson. No, I, I like Patrick Wilson a lot, but Patrick yeah. Wilson's like a blank slate. He's always like guy. He's never played like a really weird or unique character. He's the best in Prometheus, honestly. Is he in Prometheus? Yeah, he plays Elizabeth Shaw's dad when she has the flashback. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, he's really good in Little Children. No, he's, like, good he's fucking in, hot in that uh, movie. He's good in uh, Bone Tomahawk, too. Yeah, but, uh, he is. You know, I, I first got introduced to him, I guess, from the Alamo, and that movie is so terrible, and, and his character in particular uh, is is really really bad. <laughs> mm. He play, he plays William F. Travis. Yeah, but Luke, Luke Evans was probably my my pick if Mandy Moore didn't exist. And I just want to ask you about Mandy Moore though, real quick. So when Mandy Moore was huge, it was also Brittany and Christina. She was a little after them. She was like two years after. It was close enough. And Shakira, about they're all kind of at the same time. Shakira was like four or five years older, though. So like, I, I, I associate the, the, the Britney, uh, Christina, and Justin Timberlake kind of. The, they're the three. They're the trinity. So who would you fuck out of those three, then? Britney. Okay, now remove Britney and Christina. No, Christina Aguilera would be a better fuck, but Britney would be more exciting and more like significant. Okay, so out of Britney, Christina, and Justin, remove Justin... Yeah. And just add Mandy instead. Mandy then, Moore, okay, Brittany, then Christina, then Mandy. Okay, nice. All right. She played Aqua Girl, which was weird because she was also the romantic lead interest for Aquaman. She's also Rapunzel and Tangled. I didn't realize that. Uh, she's also in 47 Meters Down. I'm aware of that film. I have not watched it. It looks like a silent it's movie. It's good. Let's get back to uh, mid- Roland oh, Emmerich's Midway. Midway. Yeah, so... A-list directing also by Roland Emmerich. It was a sensible choice, of course, to go with Roland Emmerich. That's sarcasm? Did, yes, it is sarcasm, because you never would think Roland Emmerich would tell an accurate portrayal of something, considering the Patriot exists. <laughs> what? Yeah, the Patriot's not yeah, no. super accurate, I assume. It's not super accurate at all. It's, like, far from accurate. It's, fa- it's, it's actually funny that he went so accurate, as best he could, at least with Midway, uh, and he went so opposite the direction... He went so, took so many liberties with the Patriot. It's weird because Independence Day is very obviously inspired by Star Wars, which an, A New Hope, which was so very obviously inspired by World War II movies. I'm not sure which one specifically, but the one from uh, The Aviator, like the one that that, that movie covers the uh, Hell's Angels or whatever it was fuck, like that was a big influence. So like he's like removed from World War II. It's weird because Roland Emmerich has never made a World War II movie before, yet he's done wars so much that like it's it seems like a a missed opportunity yeah well i think his uh the pinnacle of emmerich's career is still 2012 i don't his best movie is the patriot but it's paid the patriot was probably no he probably had a lot of advice from l on that movie his best movie i think is independence day but or at least that's my favorite but uh i think 2012 is is when people were willing to accept emmerich as at, at that level still and I think that was him going as far as he could possibly go with destruction movies, destruction genre. He's a competent director, though. He's not like a he bad is. filmmaker. No, he's not. I like 2012, honestly, and watched it recently with my kids a few months ago. And like, they love it, too. Who's the guy who made like um, 
the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles remake and I think the second Clash of the Titans. Donald Turtletop or something like no, that? No, no, the, the second Clash of the Titans. And also um, the Aaron uh, Eckhart Alien Invasion movie. I think Battle, Battle, Battle Los colon Angeles. Los Angeles, yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of The Damn Battle words. of Los Angeles. Um, that director. That director strikes me as if Roland Emmerich was Roland Emmerich, like all the bad, but also couldn't direct coherent action. And, and like the Roland Emmerich saving grace, because so we know what the alternative is, but Roland Emmerich saving grace, every movie, even Stargate is like, it's well made. It's just stupid. Yeah, but that's him. He's absurd. So he's a, he's he's kind of an OK choice for World War Two. World, World well, no, War Two. He's II. absurd. That's why he shouldn't be a good choice for any type of like historical. Drama. Well, it's the same as Michael Bay. Like if, if you think Michael Bay, if you think Pearl Harbor was a disrespectful film that actively like should be insulted and, and like pushed away when people are discussing the real history of World War Two. Or, or if you think it's like, hey, this is basically a 1970s patriotic Raw, raw American movie, and you know maybe we fudge some of the stuff. Maybe we have the Japanese firing on innocent nurses and stuff, for, for, even though that didn't fucking happen. It makes the heroes cooler when they kill them, you know. Yeah, when they get in planes that flew around on Pearl Harbor, that didn't actually happen. If yeah. you think it is okay for Michael Bay to make a World War II movie, or, or uh, uh, specifically Pearl Harbor, then you think it's okay for Roland Emmerich to make. A World War II movie. Yeah, I'm fine with Michael Bay. And if you think that it's unacceptable that Michael Bay made Pearl Harbor, then it, you shouldn't be okay with uh, Roland Emmerich making a movie from the get go. But I think I, I, I'm fine with Michael Bay making a movie he wants to make. I think I think the question is, is if you're ever having like a historical factual conversation about World War II, you should never look to any Hollywood film ever, honestly. And, and so I don't think like, I, I don't think it would be even in the question to, like to compare. Not even Saving Private Ryan. When it comes to like sensible choices, I don't think Michael Bay is, is a sensible choice either. I think he's a, he's a joke um, when it comes to like that kind of perspective. But I I like what Pearl Harbor is. I laugh at it too because of it's so ridiculous at times. Obviously, we we mocked it earlier in this episode, right? The whole World War II just started, but um. I think the thing about Pearl Harbor for me is I don't think it should be mocked uh, in 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 a sense that it's it's it got it wrong therefore it's less than because I don't think it is less than it's just his portrayal of of his 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 World War II in his art and that's Michael Bay's art and that's we we have to leave it at that I think and and you can accept his art or not accept his art you can enjoy his I just art think or not I think he's a very similar director to to, to Emmerich uh, no I don't think so I think Emmerich tries to pull at your heartstrings and fails. A little bit more, and I think Michael Bay tries to kind of just give you erections, and then every once in a while try to like kind yeah. of maybe like like manipulate your emotions slightly with music and the, stuff like the that. The most emotionally ready. effective scene Michael Bay has ever directed is is uh, Bruce Willis saying goodbye to Liv Tyler uh, through the iPad. Are you kidding me? It's when Megan Fox is the shot. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go without you. you. <laughs> No, I th- I swear I swear like fifteen year old me had a little tear when when it in, is in that scene. That's a, it's but it's also well directed. But it's also Bruce Willis is a good actor. Or the Navy SEALs versus the Marines in the shower. That's an you cried at that. <laughs> Mike, Michael Bay is honestly is he's I do and I think I speak for you, Felk. He's a great director. I think he's a fucking great director. Like he's a great fucking director. My point is that Roland Emmerich's never gotten that kind of emotion out of me, except in The Patriot, which, again, I'm crediting to Mel. Oh, really? I felt that emotion for Independence Day. When? <laughs> the whole movie, I was just like, oh, these people are dying. You know what? Actually, Roland fails in Independence Day when the first lady dies. I'm just like, uh, not feeling it. 
Sorry. Well, with, re- really with, with, with the recent caliber of first ladies, who gives a shit anymore? <laughs> you know, dude, Melania that, is amazing. I love Melania. That was that was back in the day when we we remembered like Nancy Reagan. <laughs> you know, it was like we remembered first ladies being respectable. Hey, how many months after you know when Trump's finally done? I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about like the last three. I know. <laughs> or, I'm just saying. Or four. Months- I'm skipping W's. How many months after? Because Laura Bush never did anything except killing that one guy in a car with drunk driving. But <laughs> right. Well, th- wait. What did they say happened in W? Did didn't they handle that like with uh, uh, a little bit of winking and nod? Yeah, it takes place after it already happened. But they they mention like it, and she's just like, you know, like whatever. <laughs> it's Elizabeth you know, Banks, w- I think. W's weird. W's a weird movie. Let's not get into W too too far though. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Midway. All right. So, um, you know. Final tidbits, okay. uh, the, the end credit scenes, fortunately filmmakers had the restraint not to include an end credit scene. Um, but I have to say it began. Okay, hold on. With, did we win the Battle of Midway? I don't remember. Yes, we did. It's, it, it was actually a huge point of the war for us on the, in the Pacific Theater. Okay. And th- this yeah. was this was uh, Eisenhower or Patton's victory? This was, uh, uh, th- this was n- neither okay. uh, Eisenhower or, or Patton's uh, victory, actually. Uh, this was Nimitz. Okay. Oh, I've heard that uh, name too. Yeah, he was the uh, uh, naval commander. He did not have autism, as far as I know. No, but he's the he's the naval commander, uh, um, and, and he took over immediately after Pearl Harbor. Um, and so, and the movie does take into that effect. Uh, the, actually, one of the interesting things about the film is that they they did a pretty good job with John Ford's character because they show John Ford like trying to get his shots. Um, and uh, that was pretty funny because, like, all that really did happen. John Ford was on island. He was on the island literally filming the attack on the island from the ground. And he was wounded and injured hmm. um, at, at, during the, the Battle of Midway. Uh, the, the special effects are fucking amazing. It, it, it looks really, 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 really fucking good. It's one of those films that, you know, if you watch it on an iPhone or iPad, it's not going to be a great film, though. This is a film you have to watch on, on a, like, a sound system so that the bombs exploding and, and those battle sequences when they're like, you know, dive bombing on aircraft carriers that they it actually feels like, you know, you're in that moment that you're immersed in it. Yeah. Um, Had I known we were going to talk about Midway before today, I would have I, I actually could have watched it because, like I said, I've been yeah. on a World War Two kick. But well, to be fair, you know but what? to be fair, there's like watch it to be fair for like for my list. There's about three movies that I also probably should have watched before I do this list. And I know you've seen some of them, so I'm going to have to ask you questions about them. Sure. Well, here's the thing. I'll end this midway conversation because let's move on to your list, please. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I also watched another film recently that was about World War II and about boats. It's about destroyers. A destroyer called Greyhound, starring Tom Hanks. Whoa. Um, that was actually great. That was a five out of five boy movie. I would rather talk about that, but the reality is, I prepped a document about Midway months ago. So <laughs> I went with Midway tonight. <laughs> uh, Greyhound. Uh, so that you had it's, you had to log awesome. on to Apple service, I guess. Yeah, I, I have all the services um, except Hulu. Funny enough, um, the thing about uh, Greyhound, I just want to point out is it's like The Wire, and the way that when you start watching The Wire, you either better understand drug dealer lingo or you better understand narcs, like you know, narcotic officer lingo, because otherwise you're gonna get lost in the first episode of The Wire, and it takes you a few you know minutes watching the episode to calibrate the way you hear things, so you understand what they're saying. Actually, Greyhound is the exact same way. Tom Hanks uh, pretty much made this movie. Um, he did not direct it, but uh, he wrote the script for it, and he fought with Apple and Sony to make sure that they did not change the dialogue because he wrote very authentic dialogue. Hmm. 
to the point when you're listening to it, if you don't pick up on the slight metaphors why they call this or that, you know, something in the Navy, then you're not going to really understand things. Or if you don't pay attention to the inflection of their voice or the way they maybe gesture with their head or their eyes, you might actually miss huge body language signs of what they're actually saying, um, it, it, which was fascinating. And it was so cool. And it was the CGI for Greyhound made me believe they filmed in the ocean. While the CGI was amazing for Midway, I felt like it was all put, built in a computer. While literally Greyhound, I thought that I was watching a ship in the fucking ocean under attack by subs. And with Greyhound, they did this thing with the score where they added like whale calls to it for the German U-boat score. And it is fucking amazing and haunting and stressful. And it makes you stressed out during the attack moments. And the way they handle everything in a very methodical, uh, standard operating procedure kind of uh, method uh, uh, to the actual like plot. Like the way they even like have title cards that come up and tell you like, you know, zero to hundred hours or whatever. It's great. It's fucking great. I really love Greyhound. So I recommend Greyhound. Felk, watch Greyhound, then watch Midway, and then come back to us. Well, realistically, the uh, the, the the next World War II movie is going to be for my fourth entry because I probably should have watched that movie to see uh, how they depict the character and whether or not he's autistic. But then I'll I'll, I'll get into uh, Midway uh, maybe, and Greyhound probably even less likely. <laughs> Greyhound was better than Midway for sure. It's interesting. It's not directed by a known person either, is it? No, but you could tell Tom was very, very involved. All right, here's the show topic. All right, show topic is... Report preliminary findings. Not worried about her. We gotta keep him gay. Cool boy nation, pop your cocks and drop your tops. It might be interesting and important for you to know. It's time for our cool boy show topic. Hey, I like that. Spoilers. So cool. So, okay, well, the reason for the show topic largely is, uh, I mean, Nolan didn't really like it when you talked about World War II. He sat out that episode. And he also didn't like it when I talked about autism. Uh, but we don't have Nolan anymore, and this is the perfect symmetry of the two things we tried to talk about that we weren't able to talk about in the past. Yes, it is top five <laughs> autistic World War II heroes. Yay! Now, Ballard. Yes, sir. Off the top. Do you know the significant, somewhat recently uh, re revealed uh, link between World War II and autism uh, is the inception of autism? No, unless you're talking about the movie starring Benedict Cumberpatch. Uh, okay, no, that's that's just a movie that's maybe on my list, but it's it's not uh, one of the uh, it's not the tied to autism. At the time, no one would have called that guy, uh, autistic because no, people didn't use that term, uh, in like the, until like the 1960s, people with severe autism, like where they can't function, uh, quote unquote, normal lives, uh, were often just, you know, lumped in with mentally at the time called retarded people. Like they, they, they wasn't its own thing. It wasn't until the sixties that people started diagnosing people with like rain man level autism as being autistic, but nobody called people with Asperger's or ADHD autistic. Those, terms didn't come about until much uh, much later 
in the 80s, there was, you know, a, a push for ADHD being a, a common diagnosis. And that's what I got diagnosed with at age six in the 80s, put on Ritalin and always just thought that was what I had. And then in the uh, in like 2000, in the early 2000s, the term Asperger's got gained popularity to describe a, a more high functioning form of autism. And then the Venn diagram circle of ADHD symptoms and Asperger symptoms basically became a circle. So Asperger's became the popular term. And then in about 2017, people stopped using the term Asperger's altogether. Yeah. It was removed from the DSM. Yep. Nobody said Asperger's. And now it was just high functioning autism or low level autism. It was all the autism spectrum. Do you know why? No. <laughs> they stopped using the term Asperger's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We talked about this last week. Why? Because of Nazi. Because the guy who, uh, yeah, so this is, I, I have a link here, but the uh, term was created uh, in 1944 by an Austrian pediatrician named Hans Osbergers. Yeah, uh, I'm a Nazi. <laughs> uh, but no, he was just a pediatrician working in, in, in Austria, you know, uh, no connections. And then in uh, 2017 and then 2018, or 2017, a book came out, uh, the article's from 2018. Uh, this New York Times article that uh, questions, was autism a Nazi invention? Uh, so spoilers, uh, no, <laughs> it was not. But what? it, it was the guy who created it absolutely was a Nazi collaborator or the guy who uh, first diagnosed it. And it was named after was absolutely a Nazi uh, collaborator who did. Wait, uh, wait, some psychological experiments with them. We all learned in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, if you're Nazi and you're hot, it's okay. Was he hot? There's a picture of him, I think. He's, got, he's one of these guys. Oh, he's on the left. And so if you click on the link, the top uh, New York Times article picture. He's the guy on the left? He's the guy on the left so talking to an autistic Nazi Not kid. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Good jawline. He had good genes. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't. Who knows how how much Nazi stuff he really did? The records from that era are spotty at best. Yeah, but NASA knows, and that's okay. Yeah, so uh, that that's why I think that's a big part of why that that term just got dropped. Uh, nobody wanted it, it named after that guy anymore, uh, which is funny because it's like, you, I mean, just do the odds. <laughs> he was in Vienna in 1944, prominent. Yeah. Um. Who was from Vienna also that was like super popular in that time? Hitler? <laughs> was that Hitler? <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, he was popular in some parts of the world. Uh, among some of the people in those parts of the world, but probably less popular for others. So, yeah, we already. So let's get in my top five. So, like I said, nobody used the term uh, autism to describe, you know, the, the Mark Zuckerbergs or the Felks of the world. Uh, How dare you? So all of these are are technically but I'm comparing myself to Zuckerberg. Yeah. Or Hitler. Or I'm not comparing myself to Hitler. Hitler's not on this list. We <laughs> talked about this last week. It didn't make the air. Uh, but no, I, I, I have seen things that like maybe Hitler was autistic, but like, no, A, these were World War II heroes, meaning they do you were. Think, wait, do you think Hitler was like, yeah, I have Asperger's? No, nobody, <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> nobody said that, although he might have met Hans Asperger's. So who knows? Hans, I have Asperger's. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we talked about him earlier. Uh, my number five is Alan Turing. Ballard, do you have him higher? That's ben That's Benedict. That's Benedict. Well, he was portrayed by Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, mm -hmm. Have you seen the movie? Uh, what's it called? The uh, Imagination Land. No, <laughs> the Imitation Game. 
That's it. <laughs> it would have been confusing if it was called the Imagination Land. Yeah, uh, not the South Park movie. No. What's the What's the fucking? Uh, no, I was gonna say, what's the uh, Brad Bird uh, George Clooney movie? Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland. Okay. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was like, is, is that movie called The Imagination Land? I can't remember. <laughs> no, no, that's the South Park. That's the second South no, Park movie yeah. that was never released because Paramount will never work with them again. <laughs> Ballard, have you seen The Imitation Game? <laughs> no, I, I won't watch it. I heard it's about a gay guy that's retarded. Uh, well, he's, he's not retarded, uh, he, but he, the performance and that portrayal heavily go into that he had Asperger's or autism. It's, it's very, it's much, uh, so the, the, the idea is that um, as a youth, he had trouble relating to other kids, as they, ca- as they often do, but he did relate <laughs> to one boy who was probably also gay, and he had like a gay crush on, and then that boy That's died. Cool. Spoilers for the oh, movie and the actual life Jesus of Valentine. Christ! Wait, what? He died? He di- He dies of something because uh, I polio. You know, whatever everyone was dying of back then. My little brother and, had and polio, that, and that was like a through line, like to to, to adult Alan Turing uh, inventing uh, the Enigma machine and or because of his because his friend died. Wait, the Enigma was actually the Nazi machine. He he made the rope the 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 computer basically. He ver- invented basically the first computer. The Enigma code, I thought it was called. Yeah, well, the Enigma was the it wasn't name a machine. of machine. Well, just their name of their code. No, they had machines that were mm. like specifically right. had the code built into them, and and they yeah. had and the and the the, I've the seen machine. Yeah, the machine <laughs> that he uses is is the machine from U five seven one. So yeah, uh, so like that, that the story's dense, but I don't know. The movie makes a it implies that he was more important than like the strategy and in D-Day and all that stuff like that, but by cracking the code, it, it won the war. It more helped the war, but still uh, more significant is the fact that he basically invented the first computer. Obviously it wasn't digital. It was a mechanical machine, but the, the through line is that he had trouble, you know, uh, interacting with other kids because of course people never say what they really feel. And that can be difficult to people with Asperger's. And that's when the, the other kid says like, Oh, you might be good at this code stuff because yeah, basically, when you're interacting with other people, you're breaking codes uh, as far as your brain knows anyways. And, and he, of course, excels at, at breaking codes and then realizes the only thing that can break the Enigma code is something that can calculate faster than human beings can uh, mentally. So it's, it's a significant uh, person, uh, not a fighter, but a thinker. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, the thinkers are the people that help win the war, honestly. I mean. I, I can't get too much into this, but like some of my family uh, was involved in some of the thinking aspects of the American side of the war. And um, like, that's awesome. Like, I'm so proud of that. I also had family members that were in the fighting side of the war as well. But um, yeah, it's just so cool to like think about like, yeah, brain versus brawn and like, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword. Like, I, I always believe that. And I think that you have to have those. You, ha- you can't just, you just can't be a blitzkrieg the whole fucking time. But I mean, the Nazis, man, they were doing some fucked up shit with their fucking brain versus brawn on their end yeah well they because they didn't they had human life they didn't value whereas yeah the, jesus christ is the allies well uh the Br- u.s and british didn't didn't do that we don't know what the russians were doing really the russians uh were pretty brutal too yeah all right you ready for number four uh yeah was that everything we needed to know about alan turing well, no, I, I mean, Alan Turing could be a whole episode on, on the Turing test and all the things he invented. And, of course, the fact that he was uh, gay and kind of been forced to uh, take uh, neutering drugs that, that fucked with his brain and stuff. And, and that horrible tragedy. Where does the movie tragedy. go? 
Does the movie do all of that or no? The movie has three timelines. Uh, so him as a kid with the the story, uh, the modern timeline of, of basically modern day, him in the war trying to break the codes, and then in the 1960s or 50s, whenever he got found out by a cop as, as being a homosexual and got charged with the crime of homosexuality. And then uh, after taking drugs that fucked with his brain, uh, by, by, by law he was required to, he killed himself. Required by law he killed himself? No, required by law he, he had to take um, medicinal, like, anti-sex drugs. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, he was forced because they, they, they found out he had paid a guy to... They essentially, tri- they chemically castrated him. Chemically castrated. That's the word I couldn't. That's the phrase I couldn't come up with. Jesus uh, yeah, so, so yeah, it's it, he is both a gay rights hero in that you know he helped the war effort in an immense way, and then that's how the, his own government treated him. Uh, and then he's also now that we have a better understanding of autism and the spectrum, and have kept, you know put people like that uh, on that spectrum. He's also an autistic hero and a computing hero. Yeah. It's sad when you see society treat, you know, heroes like pariahs. Yeah. That's horrible. So that, wow. I, I, I'm curious to see that movie. I heard it was a good movie. It's an, I mean, again, and again, like, you know, the, I don't know, I don't know if homosexuality was illegal in, or gay acts were illegal in the United States too. Uh, I think some were, uh, I mean, sodomy, sodomy still technically is illegal in some states. So Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's important to remember that, you know, we were the good guys because we were so much better than the alternative, not because we were perfect and to never let the, the, the perfect be, you know, blocking the good. So looking back, like, we can now celebrate this this guy uh, and re- recognize him as uh, such a huge contributor, not just to the war, but to uh, computing. Uh, well, you, got, you know, that says a lot about the British government. I mean, the reality is that they were able to admit such a heinous, essentially, you know, uh, act of. And they've done all that know, stuff where like, they've honored him and like posthumously yeah. knighted him and all that. Now, stuff. now, today, today. Yes. yes. Well, he, I think but, in the 80s, actually. Was he alive when they when was he honored when they was alive or no? He nothing? died like fifteen years after the war. I mean, let me look. I can look these things up. Crazy. That's sad. Horrible. He died in well, you know, nineteen fifty four. I mean, so nineteen fifty. So it was nine years yeah, after the war. Jesus. That that's the, the latter timeline. Dude, that sucks. That's crazy. Well, hopefully, yeah, he's a hero to someone you know out there and and oh yeah, someone off on the good path. Quite a few people. Uh, all right, ready for number four. Yep, let's do it. Number four is Desmond Doss. Desmond Thomas Doss. You, oh, so, all right. Ballard, have you seen the movie about Desmond Doss? Because I haven't. Is it called uh, Hacksaw Ridge? Yes, it is. And I, yes, I, I have. It's a great movie. I love it. Uh, I, well, I, I just like I remember the trailer and I do remember that Garfield's performance was kind of that, you know, stilted way of speaking and stuff that maybe he was playing that character that way. Uh, I, I've seen him uh, mentioned uh, alongside Temple Grandin in terms of significant people that uh, had autism at that time. I did not realize that this guy had it, but I also was kind of grasping for four, for five names. Uh, so I, I'm putting him on here. All right, what do you think about the movie Hacksaw Ridge, the, the person of Desmond Doss, and also the possibility that he had autism? Uh, the movie Hacksaw Ridge uh, is great. I watched it alone um, because no one wants to watch Mel Gibson with me. I have a friend and who hates it and thinks it's like a cartoon movie and so like over the top and ridiculous. 
Yeah. Really, I done. I didn't get that. I got really emotional watching it. Um, I I remember like at one point, like I was like a little bit crying, but it wasn't like crying. It was like sweating and crying. It was really intense. Like I mean, because when the shit starts. It just doesn't. Uh, it's un. It's unrelenting. It really is. And like you, just you feel the stress that uh, Desmond's going through. What's and, the byline? Um, like, what's the actual story? I, 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 what I know from this research, is that yeah. the guy possibly f- because he was autistic and and was doing the autistic. Uh, Dude, watch the way movie. of analyze. An, I'm going to analyzing stuff. He he was like, I can't kill anybody, or I'm the bad guy. But he was drafted and served as a field medic, but never used a gun or killed anybody but yeah. saved 75 soldiers yeah yeah i mean that's what the, at least that's 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 all i know about this character is based on hacksaw ridge yeah i assume yeah um so uh the movie you want the through line of the movie the movie starts when he's a child and he accidentally hits his brother really hard with a brick mm-hmm. and he fucks his brother up big time because he hits him in the temple and um it's a moment for him that i think he realized how simple even playful violence can turn so crazy and serious um and then of course there's this accident uh that sets him off in his career being a medic he helps a car accident victim a pedestrian that gets injured by a car accident and uh in the process he comes across his soon-to-be wife gets married and wants to join the army and then it's kind of like full metal jacket where you're like spend some time in the barracks and vince vaughn is the uh is the uh, uh drill captain the drill sergeant and um vince vaughn's all right as a drill sergeant i mean it feels a little false i get that that's the cartoony part maybe vince vaughn is the cartoony part your friend was talking about because vince vaughn it's like take it or leave it like mm. it's not the best performance but um he's trying and i and it doesn't feel like it's just phony it just it does maybe it feels like he's trying to do lear emery or whatever a lear army lear army so um so then, what, then he yeah he says he's not gonna ever fire a weapon. Doesn't fire a weapon in training uh, during boot camp, and huh. and then he goes and then he like I'm not gonna ruin it. It is he a weird ends. story to like make him into a hero. Like yeah, but it's just, I mean it's great. You, you would think the heroes are the ones who were like oh yeah I'll pick up a gun do whatever I need to. Yeah. Well, the reason why the autism thing comes in is because that's one of the symptoms is absolutism the idea that like if you do something one way the first time you do it you want to do it the same way each time you do it and if you have an experience or do something and it goes bad you never do that thing again and and that's where the story i guess where he experiences violence going bad once and and never wants to do anything violent again it's a great moment when he when he clocks his brother i i thought he killed his brother and I was just like in that moment, that movie, I was like, holy shit. And I actually thought this might be a good lesson for kids to watch. Like just this opening 10 minutes. Like this is why you don't fucking punch someone accidentally in the temple. Yeah, but then it gets horribly. It's really violent from what I understand as well. It, okay, so yeah. So he goes off to war, right? And he, and he goes to the Pacific Theater and he goes uh, to Okinawa. And it's it's his first uh, you know experience in battle as, as far as the movie at least portrays. And when shit goes bad up on top of these uh, cliffs... It's just like the entire army is slaughtered, um, and he is, you know, a conscientious objector that's a medic, and so he doesn't pick up a rifle while all this fucking slaughtering and murder is going around him, and wars going on around him, yeah. and battles going on around him, and he has to, you know, figure out a way to save his uh, his friends and his uh, brothers in arms. 
Um, and he finds wounded, and he tries to save some of the wounded. And that's what the movie's about. It's a him essentially trying to save the wounded and get them off the cliffs before they get killed by patrolling Japanese, uh, you know, battalions. Would you say that Andrew Garfield's performance... Andrew Garfield, of course, got famous with the social network, playing opposite Jesse Eisenberg, playing up the autistic angle of uh, Zuckerberg, even though the mm-hmm. char- he doesn't act like Zuckerberg in any other way. Uh, would you say uh, Garfield's performance has hints of the spectrum? Huh. I didn't get that while watching it, but I didn't know that, so maybe I wasn't looking for it. Mm. Um in the way that he's a conscious objector, maybe. Yeah. Um, in the way that he's so steadfast and he cannot, like, waver at all from his through line of never, of ever picking up a gun and hurting anybody. Well, weirdly, a lot of my names are people who did not directly kill people. <laughs> they're they're more uh, either, you know. Thoughtful? Yeah, e- e- yeah e- either <laughs> science or uh, yeah. this guy, so. Or leadership. Yeah, um. But it, it's a great movie. I don't want to ruin it because, I, like I said, I didn't know the character of Desmond Doss or the real-life story of Desmond Doss. So when seeing the film, Andrew Garfield portray him, I, I didn't know where it was going to go, and I don't want to ruin it. I recommend it. It's, it's um, If I had to go through all Mel Gibson films that he's directed real quick, uh, Man Without a Face, Braveheart, Apocalypto, and then Hacksaw Ridge, i put Braveheart at the top. i put Apocalypto right below that. And then I would put... Hacksaw Ridge, and then A Man Without a Face. I definitely am watching it uh, next, like I said. You know what you should watch? This is a movie I really badly want to see. I have not seen it yet, but I, I desperately want to watch it. It's called Come and See. It's from the 80s, hmm. and it's an old, old... That was like, spelled. <laughs> C-O-M-E. It's an old German-Polish film about uh, uh, Nazis in uh, Europe. I bet there's a gay porn called Come and See. <laughs> oh, I'm it. sure there is. Right. Lots of them. You ready to move there's on? Probably to Come and See 2, The Reckoning. You ready to move on to number three? Wait, uh, I guess so. So, um, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, I would give that 4.5 out of 5 boys. It's, it, it, I mean, that or 5 out of 5 boys, it's really close. It's, for me, it's so, it's so fucking good. Yeah, these are, uh, realistically, he should have been 5 and Turing should have been 4. These are in order of probable, or uh, not even order of probable autism. These are not in any particular order, realistically. Uh, but my number three is... Wait, wait, wait. I hope one is at least good. Uh, I think they've all been good. <laughs> what do you mean good? Yeah, but one's got to be like the best. Well, well, yeah, one is one is definitely the most autistic. Uh, is it Hitler? And, and also the one whose victories are, are tied to his autism the most. Number one but is number, Adolf. But number Hitler. three is, is, a, is a biggie because, you know, when, when this thing happened uh, in terms of ADHD kind of merging with Asperger's, uh, in the mid to late 2000s, uh, the big names like, hey, it's okay that you're autistic. They're, look at these fucking great names are on here, like Dan Aykroyd, uh, but also like Dan more historic, <laughs> historical great, figures that great, if, if we look back on, uh, Dan Aykroyd's definitely autistic. Uh, if you look back on, on history, three big names pop out as autistic as fuck. One is Thomas Jefferson, great American hero, probably not a World War II hero. Um, probably not. Albert Einstein, De- no way. De- obviously, uh, <laughs> very autistic. All, depicted that way before that was even a thing. Uh, but also not really a World War II his- hero, except, you know. He yeah, had, he is. He, he, I mean, he, he could be on this list. He's definitely an honorable mention. He could be. Uh, but the other big name is Winston Churchill. What? There's a lot of speculation that Churchill was autistic. Uh, clicking on the, the uh, link so I can actually read it rather than autistic just. Autistic for that ass. 
Was he was he into ass? God, who wasn't? This is coming from Psychology Today. Uh, in his biography, Winston Churchill recalled that my teachers saw me at once as being backwards and precocious. Uh, I was briefly considering doing a British accent, but I can't do it very well. Reading Hello. books, reading books beyond my, my years. Saw me at once. <laughs> uh, reading books beyond my years, and yet at the bottom of the form class ranking. They were offended. They had large resources of compulsion at their disposal, but I was stubborn. Uh, where, whenever my reason, imagination, or interests were not engaged, I would not or could not learn. Because there, this is the, that's the quote, because there are reports that Mr. Churchill also talked late, something I did too, uh, one cannot help but wonder whether his collection of precocious traits, challenging behavior, and slowed communication development would have resulted in an autism spectrum diagnosis in modern times. Apparently, the uh, the movie where Gary Oldman play him, played him uh, the longest, darkest hour, the darkest hour, uh, really yeah. touched upon this this theory, and, and in his performance, uh, he did play him that way. Really? I have not seen The Darkest Hour. Have you? No, I haven't either. Okay. I have not seen it, but it's, a, it's essentially about Churchill during D-Day, during Operation overlord yeah which big day <laughs> for, huge for, for a lot of people but uh yeah i i've always i mean Montgomery just and just just in sure. the in the speeches i i mean i've, I've watched or listened to because they're a radio um it it definitely he definitely probably had autism based on the way he acts and of course hugely influential in winning world war ii yeah i think Maybe I shouldn't say this. <laughs> I, th I, I think the transition from Neville Chamberlain to Winston Churchill, our, our equivalent for that, our modern day equivalent for that, happened in 2016. You think we have our Churchill? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as good as the fucking uh, us assholes who grew up on The Simpsons deserve, yeah. Jesus Christ, I know. We don't deserve a real Winston Churchill because we didn't fucking fight in World War II. No, no one deserves anyone of that caliber anymore. Yeah. Interesting. I had no idea about Winston Churchill uh, potentially being um, autistic. This is from Psychology Today, by the yeah. way. I mean, this is not some random thing. Reputable. And also, I, I did the glossary for uh, for uh, autism or spectrum disorder because that uh, has specifically mentions uh, like some of the Churchill things that he did that uh, apparently uh, were indicative of the, of modern day diagnosis of, of autism aversion to or craving for certain types slash intensities of sensory input integrating multiple sensations oh. and responding appropriately knowing where one's body is in space avoiding bumping into objects yeah churchill was really good at that i heard he was not a klutz these are actually no these are these are problems that you have being a klutz oh. is a this is sorry these are things that you have to to deal with when you have autism no maybe he was a klutz he was definitely big he probably could have bumped over a beer <laughs> with his ass. He had like so many bruises on his thighs. Yeah, well, uh, and so many tables and chairs. FDR didn't have any. <laughs> well, or unless Eleanor just beat him with like a whip or a switch every night on his like legs, kind of like uh, at Dirty Ron Scoundrels with Michael Caine and Steve Martin. <laughs> she just keeps whipping him. You feel this, Frankie? Whoosh! Crazy. So uh, Churchill's retarded. Yeah, well, the, all these people are, are potentially retarded. And also geniuses, maybe. Yeah, it's a fine line. All right, well, speaking of retarded geniuses, yes. with blood on their hands, but not direct blood, uh, my number two is Julius Robert Oppenheimer. Oh, wow. Big one. He's become death. The destroyer of worlds. 
which was him uh, quoting Shiva or something. Ozzy Mandis. Well, Ozzy, yeah, he, was, he, was, he was quoting the Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's quoting the Egyptian uh, emperor, right? Isn't that the whole poem? Uh, Scientific American in their article that, that uh, talks about the likelihood that <laughs> Oppenheimer may have had autism. Oppenheimer was a chess grandmaster in a game of checkers. He was looking to checkmate the other guy's king by trapping his queen, maneuvering around his bishops and sidestepping his knights, whereas his opponent was merely planning to jump his pieces and ha have himself kinged. Wow. I guess that refers to uh, while the Japanese were figuring out how to get like small bombs <laughs> to us, he was trying to figure out how to make a big old bomb. Uh, it's it's tough to like be like, yeah, Oppenheimer, because you know, it, in viewed in modern day, it's it's not something you really want to get uh, super gung-ho or cool about. Michael Bay could not make a movie about the Manhattan Project. So I read this real quick. Hindu scripture is what Robert Oppenheimer, Robert Oppenheimer <laughs> yeah. was saying. Now I am become death, the story of worlds. It's about, about, it's not yeah, Indian it's about the Shiva. No, no, of course not, because that book was written in the 80s. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Yes. Uh, examples, apparently at a young age, he developed an extreme obsession with minerals, uh, all his life, he would make rude comments only to later realize how rude they were and deeply regret them, like a lack of social awareness. Many who were, not, who were close to him described him as introverted and awkward because of social anxieties. And he also, uh, often did incredibly daring and outright foolish things, such as sailing ships out to sea during terrible storms, poor awareness of dangers. So, yeah, like, there's a lot of evidence that, you know, he probably would have gotten, could have been diagnosed with it. How do you feel about <laughs> the work of Robert Oppenheimer to win the war? Certainly, certainly uh, concluded things um, in a swift way that minimized allied loss of life. Maybe not overall loss of life, but uh, I would I would still characterize him as a World War II hero. Yeah, um, you know, I got into a crazy argument with a good friend um, in college. He was uh, from Japan. And we talked about World War II so intensely because um, Pearl Harbor is what kicks things off for the Americans. And uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki is kind of what ended things by the Americans. Yeah. And it all was... Not the start of World inside. War II. I mean, the, the invasion of Poland, 1939. No, 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 for the Americans. For the Americans. Yeah, yeah. The Despite Americans the... Specific. I think World War II just started in 1941, yeah. two years after it's been going on for a while. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you could consider world war ii really started in like 38 and 36 when jews were starting to get picked up or when but, yeah, um, china, the chinese uh, japanese war started so or the, or yeah or the chinese being invaded by japan um yeah i mean world war ii started in some cultures earlier than others in some countries other than others yeah earlier than others but uh yeah i mean i got into a big fight and it was like it was spirited and we both came out of it still great friends and whatever um but uh it's hard to talk about that because it did end things, and was it worth it? Was it right to do? My God. I mean, the only thing I think about is today, if that went on, it would be the levels of insanity. You couldn't do it. I mean, it would be an end game. It would literally be like whoever decided to pull a nuke off today would be literally putting a gun to the head of the world because... There's no way to send off a nuke without literally destroying, like, not only millions of lives, but 
the the amount of damage done. I mean, as we're seeing with Beirut, like how it's just immediately overturning the nukes. government. That's not nukes, though. Yeah, and that's not a nuke. Exactly. That's not even a nuke. Oppenheimer's only liable for the proliferation of, of nukes. But big boy and, and little boy or whatever. Those yeah, those are the the bombs. But I mean, he he yeah. basically invented the uh, the technology as well as the t I mean, which was ported over and powers fucking nuclear re re reactors, and thus we got you know, a source of power that we're still using today. It's arguable that, you know, if there weren't nukes, the uh, Pacific could have gone on for four years. We don't know. Years. We, we, also, we don't know what would happen with, you know, the Cold War if we didn't have nukes. It could have easily become a sh shooting war, but it was only because of mutual assured destruction well, we, that we, we stayed off. Well, we were going to have nukes no matter what, right? Because... Uh, the Nazis started that process. Yeah, and of course, that's what the man in the high castle is about—is an alternate reality where uh, the the Nazis figured out nukes first and nuked Manhattan and DC and London. So the reason the reason Truman used nukes and the reason nukes were used in Japan was not only to stop the Japanese and, and, and because they did it twice, right? Um, it was a symbol and a sign and a warning to Russia immediately because as soon as Berlin was up for grabs, which it was um, earlier than, you know, Japan kept going. Um, yeah. That, like once Hitler shot himself and Berlin fell, um, all those Nazis were, were divvied up. They were divvied up by Russians and they were divvied up by Brits and they were divvied up by Americans. And they, you know, yeah, if you were a Nazi, you did not want to go with the Russians. Yeah. You, but you took your, you took your Nazis home. And you said, all right, what you guys working on? Rockets and what else? What's the other thing? Nukes? Cool. Atomic energy. All right, let's put you to work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some were, the scientists were treated well, but the soldiers were starved in Russia. <laughs> oh, or, 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 you know, went to Nuremberg if they were officers and hung. But yeah. like, and, and rightfully so, right? But in the end, yeah. like the point is, is that um, everyone had their Nazi scientists and was using them to make nukes, trying to make atomic weapons. And, and so you... You had to do something. We were still at war with Japan, and, and Russia really wasn't as much. So we used that as a big, like, fuck you, Russia. See, we did it. And and it started off the Cold War in the process. Even Patton. I mean, that was whole Patton's warning after the uh, the uh, uh, Europe. He was like, all right, right? We're, we, we destroyed Berlin, and now we're going after the Ruskies, right? And, and the United States were like, no, we're not going to fight the Russians. And Patton was like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, if we really don't continue right now this fight right now, like this will fuck us forever, and you know, Cold War. Bringing it back to the, the what the topic is 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 that you know without Oppenheimer. Well, yeah, well that's down <laughs> no, that's the, this number on the list, but the the topic well is uh, you know with with whether it's Facebook, the script for Ghostbusters or the atom bomb, you wouldn't have that without the way the autistic brain thinks. Yeah, this is a propaganda episode for autism. Yeah, really. Well. Yeah, um, I, I think Oppenheimer, I dude, like it's it's, I, I like him because he understands what the fuck he did. Yes, and he understands what he did as soon as he did it. That's true. Like I mean, you had this article you sent me, and I just was reading a little bit about it. And he was as soon as the Hiroshima bomb detonated, Groves, who was uh, I don't know some fucking guy that was essentially a military guy. I'm assuming that was running shit. Uh, it, I haven't read all of this article that you sent, but I just saw this one section. It says Groves called Oppenheimer to congratulate him. In the conversation, you can hear the difference in their game strategies. Groves, I think one of the wisest things I ever did was when I selected you, meaning Oppenheimer, the director of Los Alamos. Oppenheimer, well, I have my doubts, General Groves. Groves, well, you know I've never concurred with those doubts at any time. 
So, I mean, like, that's kind of, like, interesting. To, like, Oppenheimer was essentially feels like maybe gun to his head, build a nuke for us. <laughs> you know, it kind of seems that way to some extent. But it wasn't a gun to his head. It was a nice mattress. Especially when you're autistic, but just when you're, you know, in the war effort. It's like they give you a job. If you're capable of doing it, you do it. And he, well, he certainly realized that, like, yeah, they're probably going to kill a fucking lot of Japanese people with this thing. And throughout history, a lot of people might die. But at the same token, like you said, uh, it was only this. He, he didn't create the science. He just discovered the science and figured out how to build the thing. Other people could have done it and they could have been much worse than the U.S. in 1945. There were worse alternatives. So uh, I, I still see it as an overall good. But because, again, we might have had horrifying, endless wars, especially with Russia, and maybe with China soon, uh, that won't be anywhere near as bloody as they could have been because of mutually assured destruction. Because as long mm -hmm. as it's two countries that have uh, nukes, you, you get that. Now, if you have a situation where, like, Vietnam doesn't have any nukes, then you get a weird prolonged war. Absolutely. <laughs> but also the U.S. can't use nukes because we're trying to save the people who are completely embedded with the people who are trying to kill. Yep. Well, I mean, nukes are always interesting. It's, it's like TNT. Um, the idea of nukes kind of came from that, uh, physics and, and trying to, like, crack physics and crack the atom, and then it resulted in this, oh, shit, I can make this really big explosion. And TNT was originally, like, discovered and, and designed for, for mining purposes, and it was, like, some German physicist or chemist or some shit, and, or maybe two different German chemists. Yeah, he was treating but, a like, wound, too, with glycerin. And then, and then, uh, as soon as they like cracked it, it wasn't long after that. Like Germany was all like, "Fuck yeah, we're using this shit for artillery shells," and like, uh, uh, you know, yeah. like, they turned it immediately. And then they defeat Poland in two weeks, you know. Well, yeah, well, yeah, forty years later, or thirty years, thirty plus years later. But um, yeah, that's crazy. Like TNT was immediately like created for like this purpose for kind of peaceful industrial use. And then immediately was like, ah, how can we make it militaristic? And yeah, violent? nukes went the other way because like nuclear power wasn't invented until after like nukes. So uh, after Hiroshima. So, you know, a lot of people Kinda did go, I guess, the other way. I mean, there's some it was some math and physics involved, but all of it was sure. for the end game. <laughs> right. And like that end game was to blow up potentially lots of Japanese people. OK. All right. And it did. Well, I am. Do you, okay, you know what's crazy? There's a there's a documentary just because we're talking about Hiroshima real quick in Nagasaki. There's an amazing documentary. I think it was done on uh, by HBO called uh, White Light, Black Rain. Yeah. Um, it is about the uh, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki and it's it's first person perspective telling from eyewitnesses, like kids at the time, and and the way that well, I think one of the craziest things is not only just some of the storytelling because they 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 paint such an amazing picture figuratively and literally with their storytelling, but um. The uh, the fact that you find out, speaking of pariahs earlier, all of these survivors of those bombs, yeah, that's fucked Hiroshima's up. It's fucked up. And, and Nagasaki are pariahs in Japanese culture. Yeah. They have to literally sit at the back of the bus. If the bus is going to get full of people who weren't survivors of the explosions, the people who were survivors of the explosions have to get off the bus. That's on the Japanese, honestly. That's not U.S.'s fault. <laughs> no, that's not U.S.'s fault at all. It, it is a, it's because their culture shames... Um, that kind of uh, 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 bad, like, you know, uh, history and that kind of, you know, uh, uh, disgust and, and violence that they have on them. And so to, to, to not remember it, they shame the survivors of it because the survivors are literally walking scars 
of what happened during Hiroshima and Nagasaki because they have physical scars on their faces, on their backs, on their arms, missing sections of their bodies because they, you know, had it blown off by a fucking atomic bomb. A- Anyways, great documentary, hard to watch. So I do recommend watching it on an empty stomach, um, but fascinating, fascinating to watch. I guess Dr. Manhattan is named after the Manhattan Project, too, bringing it back to Watchmen. He is. All right. Particularly he is. We ready for number one? Oh, my God. It's number one. Oh, yeah. There's a fucking inappropriate theme song. <laughs> number one. T-minus. Cool boys. And counting. Three, two, one. Number one. Number one. Number one, the one who the World War II hero who has had by far the most articles written about the likelihood that he was autistic or had Asperger's, depending on what is this. Hil- is it Hitler? Is it Hitler? It's not Hitler. Uh, this is the origin of this list because when I was watching uh, Netflix's World War II in color, there was an episode that dealt with its uh, he, the hero of that episode, that event. Everyone was like, yeah, he was autistic. He was definitely autistic. And only because he was autistic was he able to fucking win that I episode him earlier too. That, I mentioned him slightly earlier. That episode was the battle of the bulge and bulge in my pants. basically the uh, British Eisenhower. Yep. Bernard Montgomery. Yeah. Oh, Montgomery. Yes. Uh, what was he referred to at the time? It was like a field commander. Uh, some nickname Monty and the Spartan general. He was a senior mm-hmm. British army officer who served in both the first world war and the second world war. Uh, also known as world war two, uh, field marshal, uh, Bernard Montgomery. First Viscount of Montgomery. <laughs> field marshal. That's it. Field marshal. Yeah. Field marshal. Uh, whatever. Yeah. So the battle of the bulbs, uh, but let's go into the autism first. So this is from the 2000 uh, Indian Journal of Psychiatry was the first article to, to deal with this. But like I said, it's, it's so common. There's like f- four other articles I have linked here, and it's mentioned in the Netflix uh, series. Uh, Montgomery demonstrates qualitative impairment in social interaction and restricted repetitive and stereotype patterns of behavior, interests, and activities. It can, can be concluded that he met the criteria for Asperger's disorder, dsm 4 This is from 2000. We are still calling it Asperger's. Uh, the autism diagnosis is predicted on several overlapping claims. Montgomery was unable to perceive the sensibilities of others, especially subordinates that he fired. His approach to military matters was inflexible, and he often displayed social clumsiness, tactlessness, and condescension. So are these assertions fair? And if so, do they denote autism? The, the, well, the, artic- the article goes on to uh, say, say yes. So you're autistic. You got to win. Your objective is to win a war. You got guys working for you who are not doing their job. You don't think about their feelings. You don't think about uh, hurting Mm. them that day. You just do what's necessary. Fire them. Replace them like it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, What are your thoughts or feelings on the Battle of the Bulge and its strategies? Holy shit, man. Battle of the Bulge is insane. And for the episode Band of Brothers where they deal with that. It makes it just feel like hell, like these shells raining over you and splintering these trees above you and all this like shrapnel going everywhere and the splinters everywhere. Yeah. I fucking can't imagine like the fact that you just had to sit there and be like essentially like surrounded by Germans and waiting for someone to come and save you. Now, I also I also thought that uh, Patton 
uh, was responsible in saving uh, the uh, some allied forces. Well, so another article mentions that they maybe kind of were able to bond because he had to because the, at the time, obviously, the Americans were funding the war uh, and therefore uh, Eisenhower was technically in charge. But Patton had uh, dyslexia. And as a result, they had something to bond over because they both had something that kind of separated them from their peers and was something they had to overcome in, in overcome in their youth. Bernard uh, and uh, Patton. Yeah. Okay. Until okay, this December uh, 1944, everyone had accepted basically that Eisenhower was in charge, including Montgomery. But things went badly wrong for the Americans. In a prepared press briefing about the Battle of the Bulge, Montgomery dutifully supported Eisenhower, but in off. Paste remarks. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, he observed that he would have done it all differently. The American military reverse, he averred, could have been avoided if only his superiors had put him in charge, employing the greater experience in fighting the Germans. This braying boastfulness, amplified by the jingoistic British press, caused his American peers, a group of men never short of vanity themselves, to loathe him. Was autism to blame? A lot of, uh, there's another part of uh, this article, or a different article, that uh, talks about the way that he was able to Participate in answer to Edwin Rommel, who also might have had autism, but is not a World War II hero. Uh, he was the only one who thought like him and was able to protect his moves. Uh, and that led to uh, something in Operation Torch. Conquest of Libya was essential to air force, airfields to support Malta and threatened the rear axis forces opposing Operation Torch. He was the one who saw that as necessary and, and made that move. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... North Africa is a little bit of a blind spot for me uh, when it comes to World War II. It's, it was definitely a big battle, but like I don't really know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Patton there as well. Patton fought the uh, Rommel in uh, North Africa as well. Not No movies about it. Like It's not something people really go into. Well, I think the most important movie we've all seen is called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because I think there, there was reality to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think Hitler was doing some of that shit. I don't think Spielberg is like making these fucking movies on... like. Like, you know, hunches, like like some random, you know, writer named Lawrence Kasdan put together. Like, he's just like, I think that there was, like, some truth to that, to be honest. And I think that was proven uh, at some point. I don't have those facts, nor do I have those links. But I think it was proven. But, yeah, it, it takes an autistic braid to think to think cold, uh, cold and calculating sometimes. And, and that is uh, generally what he's being credited with in the articles that... Uh, Positive that he's autistic because this is obviously a propaganda piece for autism. Although, yeah, I mean, you, maybe Edwin Rommel and maybe Hitler are autistic too. So they, maybe maybe that's a reason why it took the thinking of the uh, names like Alan Turing and, and Churchill and uh, Montgomery to to defeat that, as well as Hitler. as well as Oppenheimer on the American Rommel. side. Rommel. It wasn't by design. This list is heavy on the British. It just happens to be that maybe fine, maybe, maybe the way British people. Uh, act and think makes it a little more obvious when someone's autistic dude I, I, okay i've been to the uk many times i have friends in the uk i have friends that live in the uk i have friend friends in america that moved to the uk that live currently in the UK. they're a lot stodgier I, you know they're a lot more i'll say this when you go to the uk everyone's autistic well i was saying that maybe autistic people stick out more because everyone talks originally <laughs> we have a lot of listeners in the uk i'm sorry um i mean benedict cumberbatch has made a career out of playing autistic characters and he's like the most british doctor strange the most uh, doctor strange his interpretation of sherlock and definitely his I interpretation love. of alan turing uh and he's the most british british person currently acting in movies so I love his autistic Doctor Strange with Tony Stark's autistic Tony Stark. I mean, Doctor Strange has a British accent. It's just... Wait, Phil, I have a question. Actually, a question about things that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so 
Earlier, you were talking about Montgomery arguing with someone about the way he would have done the Bulge, the Battle of the Bulge. Was he arguing with Patton, or was he arguing with Eisenhower? What were you referring to there? The British press. No, no, I know, but who was he? Who was he arguing with on the on the perspective of he would have done it better, Eisenhower or Patton? Uh, he liked Patton and kind of had uh, debates, maybe, and in, in which he was you know brash and and forthcoming because about, of his autism with Eisenhower. Uh, with Eisenhower. Yeah, he, because they did so well together for D Day. Yeah, well, I mean, he, they were funding it, and he he was a pragmatic uh, person, apparently. So, you know, he's very much involved. You, you have in, to acknowledge, but he wanted something different. He wanted a much more a bigger version of it, I guess. He wanted more bulge. <laughs> well, he wanted more or more D. <laughs> Who doesn't want more D or more bulge? All right, what, um, what was it? it so uh, we had we had uh, Omaha uh, Beach and Utah. Utah. Uh, the Brits had sword and a bunch. gold. We had a bunch of beaches. Sword and gold, and then Juno was basically the British through Canada. I think so. And then, and there was also Point du Hoc. Well, who was that? Americans. Okay. Um, and and that was not a beach, um, or a very tiny, tiny, tiny beach with a very tall cliff. That cool boy Noli visited. I love in Call of Duty that your friend. The captain, whatever the British dude, is straight up Bernard Montgomery. It's, Which Call of Duty is this? Well, it's the one. It's the, all of them. They all have the same guy, the British guy, <laughs> the, fucking little, the little red hat and the mustache. Yeah, well, I know you're talking about because like that's who uh, Gary Old. Gary Old, uh, he's a different character in, in different ones. The uh, World War II one that uh, Treyarch did, World at War. Uh, Gary Oldman's like the British dude <laughs> who plays uh, who has the you know the the stereotypical. I thought he was in. Call of Duty 2 and the, the first Call of Duty I played would have been uh, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare <gasps> you never played Call of Duty 2 no oh I think that's the point to Hawk one that's the one that's featured in the office on PC and then Call of Duty it was great but that they did um they did the Band of Brothers D-Day where you were a paratrooper that was fun but I only played that on PC and PC games. I just can't do them. I'm a console baby. Yeah, that's a budget thing. They they go paratrooper when they can't afford the real D Day. That's what uh, they eventually did. Overlord it. does. <laughs> you know, like, we don't have the budget. We'll just do we'll just do a CG paratrooper sequence before we get to I the zombies. I never finished Overlord. Oh, but you know what? I finally watched to catch up with you and Coolboy Noli, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, what'd you think of it? Spoilers for George for Jojo Rabbit, I guess. Yeah. It's time for spoilers. Sizzle. Sizzle. Uh, I liked it a lot. Holy shit! I did not expect ScarJo to be dead by the end of the movie. <laughs> That's where the tone really shifts. It's tonally kind of a mess. It is because Jojo's a piece of shit person. And, and, like, he wins in the end, but he's, like, an asshole. Also, when uh, Hitler, you know, the imaginary Adolf Hitler that Ta Taika Waititi plays, uh, shows up again at the end after not being Dead. in the movie for, like, 35 minutes, like, after the real Hitler's killed himself, so, so he has, a like, a bullet wound in his head. Yeah. And like, I was just like, this doesn't work anymore, because now you've killed ScarJo, and you've you've gone full, like, serious World War II and Jews in Germany, it's it shifts into the the darker stuff subtly, but then when you try to revisit the goofy part and he kicks him out the window and says "fuck you, Hitler," it's just like that that part didn't work. But 
I liked the movie a lot. I mean, I thought it was very endearing and, and very sweet and good natured. And uh, it's been a long time since Mel Brooks did his shit, and The Great Dictator was while World War II was happening. We can you can you can make comedy with Hitler. You know, it's it's okay as long as uh, the message is good. And Jojo Rabbit maybe even errs a little too far on the side of of having an endearing and sweet cutesy message. Uh, you know, ending with dancing and everything. It's like, oh, I love the song. That's cute. The JoJo. It's cute. Oh, yeah. The well, it's just it's just heroes. David Bowie song. It's heroes by J- David Bowie song in German. Yeah. But like, oh, I love heroes. That song makes me cry every time I hear it. That's really David Bowie. I mean, he he. Yeah. And I guess the Beatles really sung the German version of "I Want to Hold Your Hand" too. So at the beginning, it's interesting because like I didn't realize that these versions existed. Yeah. And it uses them even though though they're anachronistic. Um, but the cute ending of him dancing was like. His mom died like four days ago. It's yeah, and he also just lied to this girl, telling her that Germany won the war. That part was stupid. That part didn't need to happen. That, 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 that was but weird. That was that was so fucked up because that that's a point in the movie where I was like, as soon as she found out that that Germany didn't win, she should not only just slap him but run away, not forgive him for being JoJo. You know what I mean? Well, again, he's a child who is so heavily indoctrinated, and she recognizes. So that. what? Sorry, he's fucking too far gone. Then he <laughs> he hasn't done anything though. He hasn't actually killed anyone or hurt anyone or done anything negative. Well, personally, but I still wouldn't hang out with him as my friend anymore. It doesn't mean yeah. he hasn't died. It's it's I, it's also the Sam Rockwell getting this redemption, even though it's heavily implied he was actually a soldier who killed was, okay, people. That also was the one thing, and he was gay. There was a reference to him being gay when they go to the offices. Yeah. And um, Sam Rockwell's character is talking to Alfie Allen's character, yeah. and they are just a little too much together. And you're kind of like, oh, maybe they're gay. And that was all I needed. And then the whole point when this shows him being like, this is my costume. I want to make my uniform. Yeah. And it's all these feathers and boas or whatnot. And I was like, I don't know. Cakes. That was part of the tonal problem. And then it showed him later during the attack on Berlin. And he's like fighting off like he's fighting off the, uh, you know, the Russians. And he's in that amazing cape in a super gay outfit. I'm like, God, yeah, that's a little on the nose. I don't know about that. Uh, I liked him at the end, though, but, but, when he yeah. liked the way he helped JoJo. Yeah, but also, again, he, he probably killed uh, allies and, and did horrible shit because he was a Nazi before he got injured. And then No, killed allies, yes, but um, they do discuss how much he is not okay with the Nazi propaganda and the Nazi agenda. Yeah, no. That's the whole point in the movie where he's like— He's still depicted as a good a, Nazi, which is, is somewhat controversial. He's a good Nazi. Dude, I the PNS also I, has a good Nazi, so it's like yeah, dude. I I grew up next, uh, not grew up next door. I and I didn't grow up. So the Nazis. I went to college. I went to college. I went to and college. The guy that lived behind me, his dad was a, a German soldier in World War II. And keep in mind, I am half Jewish, and I you know and all American, do, do, you know, all American, and do not sympathize with Nazis in any way, no matter how many times I joke about Hitler. Um, but like. I knew this guy. His dad was a fucking German soldier, and he we talked with him, and he didn't know I was half Jewish. And we, I talked with him, and he was telling me about how his dad was not a Nazi. His dad was a German soldier. His dad did believe in Germany, but did not believe in Nazi agenda and stuff like that. And his dad was a soldier before the Nazis took over and was a, a soldier after and all that stuff. Yeah. And um, I, I remember being like, wow, that's interesting. That's a perspective I never thought. And one of the things I do is I listen. Like I fucking do, I I know I talk a lot on this podcast, but when I'm actually like hanging out with people, I just listen a lot because I just I just want to absorb you and like hear what you have to say and like and so I can actually understand who you are, even if you're a Nazi or a German yeah, soldier. I know you're Nazi or not. Yeah, because 
I really do. I just like to hear people's perspectives because like that's how I learn. I learn through you. I learn through everyone. You tell me something and I go, oh, okay, that's the way. I didn't know that. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Oh, there actually were German soldiers who believed they were fighting for Germany that did not want to fight for the Nazis. Crazy. Didn't realize that. Oh, my God. That's crazy how a Japanese person. Or, actually... or checks. A lot of checks were constructed and, and basically well, yeah, like, either get shot or fucking fight. Poles, too. For sure. Yep. And and uh, like I, I was speaking earlier, my friend uh, from Japan, Dai, I was talking to him. And like, you know, the way he was so offended that I would even be offended by Pearl Harbor because he was like, what are you fucking talking about? You guys are doing sanctions. You guys are fucking doing like all these blockades on us. Like we couldn't fucking even make a living. We were starving and dying on an island. Like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? And I'm like, good point, actually. Like, I still don't think you should kill people at Pearl Harbor. But like, that's a really interesting point because you guys are kind of like an animal, wild animal at that point trapped against the corner. What are you supposed to do? You're yeah, back. Michael Bay didn't really go into that, did he? <laughs> no, he did not. Not at all. Neither did Midway, honestly. There's like one shot of the Japanese planning Pearl Harbor, and that's like all of their perspective you get. And it's and sexy as fuck. It's all on this island out in the open yeah. with this gorgeous map and this gorgeous display. Which apparently is anachronistic too, because Japanese culture is like, it's it's incredibly bad luck to hold a business or military meeting outside. It would have been inside. They never would have done it yeah. outside. And Michael yep. Bay's like, <laughs> yeah, but my dick says it's outside. Yeah. Point the camera. We're filming this Woo! in Culver City probably couple of his publicists that he hired for, you know, shooting in Japan or Hawaii were, you know, were really sexy in that outdoor light. And he wanted to make sure he could see him. John Voight's like, but but FDR really probably did not get up. He couldn't do that. And he just slaps him across the face and said, you want to be in Transformers? You're going to fucking stand up. It might have been a joke, but did, was Cool Boy Noli serious that he thought that was a real thing that actually happened? And FDR stood no, up. No, I think he was. I, I think he was serious. I can't remember. I thought he was like serious or something. I think that. he gets uh, most of his World War II history from Michael Bay. Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. And good for him. Yeah. I mean, Rafe, Rafe, you know, God bless him. Wait, Jerry Bruckheimer produced Pearl Harbor, right? Yeah. Yeah. He did. So did Don Simpson, even though he, he like died well before it was started filming, obviously. Uh, yeah. But it's just like, did the U.S. military supply them with Coke or hookers? Like, why were they so into it? Oh, yeah. Well. You know, look how cool the fucking Navy is. Look how fucking cool, like, the, the, especially the Navy. The, okay, the reality is not long after World War II, especially the Navy. Yeah, they, they were na they were Navy hard in particular. Not long after World War II, felt the the U.S. government did supply soldiers with LSD. Yeah, well, I mean, the Nazis were supplied with meth. That was one thing I learned from Netflix. Like the the part of the way they were like able to like just plow through France is like France is like, all right, we go we go do war and then we sleep. And then <laughs> they just, like, kept going, and they're like, what the fuck? Blitzkriegs, baby. The Blitzkriegs. Oh, man, doing blow and calling it Blitzkriegs and doing Blitzkrieg bumps and fucking, absolutely, yeah. Or <laughs> I guess I have to Google Nazi meth now. Wait, what was what did they call it? They call it Baby Blue? Like, was it, like, you know, amazing? The best meth ever? Because it was so fresh and so clean, so cut, so pure? Yeah, uh, Pervitin is what it's called. <laughs> Perv impervious uh, pervitin <laughs> not impervitin perv it's in oh uh, but yeah that was it was marketed as the magic pill for alertness and anti-depression wow. uh, yeah military doctor uh auto rank uh created it in 1938 go nazis uh, and and then they just fucking didn't sleep for, for like two weeks <laughs> and just plowed through france and poland dude 
Okay, so when they were figuring out that dosage, right? Because they had to figure out the dosage. Like, how much do we give our soldiers? Or how much? Oh yeah, they killed a lot of people. Probably they killed a lot of Jews figuring out that dosage. Like, how many Jews did they just give way too much meth to and watched them just fucking tweak out? Oh yeah, they were experimenting with with, Jesus uh, Christ. In 1938, did they have uh, they have them ready to experiment on? I assume they did. So, um, you know, one of the things uh, I I can't once again facts that I cannot proof and nor find links to but i do recall reading recently in the last few years that there was um there's more of a belief that not only did the holocaust start quote-unquote sooner that's why i said 1936 earlier because i mean that was like some stuff but there was more actual like uh uh attacks and also potential testing and death camp type stuff going on a lot earlier than we all thought yeah i mean yeah not according to sources that mel gibson probably believes no, according to Mel Gibson, um, <laughs> played that soundbite. <laughs> which which one? Whatever one. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> well, we don't have soundbites of him talking about the Jews. That's just from police officers saying yeah. that, right? No, no, the police officer one's the best one because that's what he calls her sugar tits, and he, we don't have audio of that's that. Not, that's not, yeah, there's no audio for that. The audio is just from it. I wish there was audio of sugar tits. The audio oh is just God. him yelling at his weird-sounding Russian wife. If I had audio of Mel Gibson saying sugar tits, I would have used that so many times by now. That would be our opening theme song. <laughs> what are you looking at, sugar tits? I own this town. <laughs> the, the Jews are responsible for all the world's wars. That was one. Yeah, that, that that's something opening. he said to a cop while being arrested for drunk driving in Malibu. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Talk about white privilege. That's handsome privilege. That, that, that once again, it's, yeah. What we, pretty privileged. Whether it's, yeah, saying, what are you looking at, sugar tits, or pulling your ass out and dick out at, a, at an amusement park. Felk. Pretty privileged gets away with it. This year for Christmas, we're going to do a spoiler cast for Daddy's Home 2 because it's with John Lithgow, Marky Mark, Will Ferrell, and yes, you guessed it, Mel Gibson. I don't know. And it's great. It's great. It's Mel Gibson trying to do comedy with will ferrell and marky mark and john lithgow he's done comedy before it's great what yeah, women want is funny want yeah yeah what women want uh, he's done a lot of comedy ransom braveheart um but i i think you know i love you like <laughs> always have daddy's home too is like one of my favorite movies now honestly all right i think you're ready to wrap up ransom's great hilarious <laughs> cool boy my son <laughs> nation <laughs> Uh, Coolboy Nation, tell us what you think about my hard Vaughn and what yes. you thought about Midway and how many yeah. boys out of five you would give it by emailing us at the cool boys podcast at gmail.com or review any of the other movies we mentioned in this episode. We talked about like 10 of them. Yeah. Also, if you have so much fun like we did discussing Midway and World <laughs> War II, then please check out our episode 29 spoiler cast for Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. An episode that Nolan sat out. And even twenty eight episode twenty-eight, where we discuss our favorite World War II films. Yeah. <laughs> where we talked about wind talkers. Yeah, but we didn't really talk about any of those films tonight. No. Like we we honestly, every single movie we talked about, I think tonight didn't was not a single one of those. Axel Ridge was talked about. Maybe okay, I may have, I may have brought that up. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean and and midway and no, I don't think we discussed Midway. Greyhound, they hadn't come out yet. They were the, the yeah, and Greyhound that was not discussed, and, and Jojo Rabbit was not discussed, and none of those had come out. The yet. Pianist was not discussed. No, no, that's true. Uh, not um, really a World War uh, II movie. Imagination Land was not discussed. Yeah, be sure to smash your wet ass pussies. Oh, <laughs> whaps! And lick. wait, no, no, you missed the new episodes. I thought. 
Oh, wait, wait. New episodes come out every week, you fucking tards, but usually on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Be sure to smash your waps or wet ass pussies. Waps. Or what A word, P word, as yeah. the internet's been talking about. And lick those clip buttons, you fucking mm-hmm. sluts. And subscribe to the cool boys, you complete fucking whores, for the hottest thirsty trap action on the World Wide Web. Oh, we used to call it that. And review us on Apple Podcasts. If that even is a real thing, you piece of shit, hit my cock and let's fucking dock. You can also avoid donating to us on Patreon. Oh, man. That uh, we have so many donations, too many. Patreon.com slash cool boys podcast. Sounds like the first thing I set up when we started this podcast, and it <laughs> turned out to be the least essential. Yeah, uh, also swipe up that dick for our OnlyFans content. We absolutely should start OnlyFans. We should content where you can find Felk's hard fucking sesh. It's just pictures of Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> where Felk fucks fat French feminists, and it had it coming uh, with the way they be dressing. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Felk. <laughs> you write this. Felk's hard fuck sesh sounds amazing, though. Bitch, please check out our cool boy, other central great cool boy central content. <laughs> Did you attend that? Uh, but you won't because you just too good for us. Too good. Too big. Too hard. Too hot. Too World War II. Mm-hmm. With Batman and beyond at your nearest internets. No, <gasps> listen. Google Batman and beyond. Thank you for listening. Stay cool cool boy nation and stay cool America and Great Britain I guess until next time allies yeah the allies who weren't Russians who weren't Stalin until next time it's Bizies from World War II Felk and that's Bizies from Just Started Ballard you are standing American boy you have excelled in all things I pump while I dump oh yeah so cool Oh yeah. So cool. Oh yeah. So cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> this episode of the Cool Boys podcast was brought to you by no one really ever talks about the other allies. Well, that was it. Canada kind of did stuff. Australia kind of. The French? Yeah, uh, Canada, Australia. The French resistance. Fr- La Resistance. Oh, my uh, God. Speaking of South Park again, there you go. La Resistance. Charles, Charles de Gaulle and all that shit. China, technically, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in some ways, yeah, for sure. What other episodes did we talk about on that episode? Remember we used to do things called Love That Dong? I love that you pull up... Yeah, we did. You pull up maps of the World War II allies just to see, like, geographically. It's really interesting. And there's this, like, mm-hmm. fucking gray dot in the middle of Europe called Switzerland. And it's just like, oh, we're not going to play. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How the fuck did that happen? How, and, and, why, and why the fuck are we cool with that? Why aren't we constantly, like, ridiculing and insulting the Swiss? Uh, the Swiss, I think we know now more than we knew then, and we realized that they were very much not- Nazi sympathizers. Yeah, they were basically just like, don't invade us. We don't even have any Jews, so just, we're on your side, but don't tell. Even though they had a lot of Jewish material in their bank vaults. Well, yeah, that's where it went. <laughs> there in South America. Hey, Felk, I, uh, I actually found our... Thin red dongs from Love That Dong from our actual World War II episode, episode like 28 or whatever we talked about. Oh, god damn it. Why? We did this, didn't we? 
We did. We have Tom Hanks, Brad Pitt, and Sean Penn. <laughs> I love that Tom Hanks is wearing a hat. It's not the Philadelphia hat, but it is like it's reminiscent. Let's take a look it at is. Brad Pitt here. That's actually Brad Pitt's dick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Sean Penn. Is that actually his dick? That's no, just a picture of him. I, I, I fucking truly hate Sean Penn. I think he's probably the worst like person to deal with. So, which dong? Who's your love of your dong on this one now? Tom Hanks' uh, dick is by far the best. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what we picked, but Tom Hanks for sure, I feel like, is the winner. Yeah. <laughs> we should bring back this segment for Mindy. <laughs> that might be uh, sexual harassment. It actually is to send an unsolicited dick pic. Uh, dude, okay. Even if it's not your dick. <laughs> Or Tom Hanks's. Is it sexual harassment that I've been sending this to you guys before? Have I been sexually harassing Felk and Noli for yes, years? <laughs> for years. Oh, I'm so sorry. But you sent us your balls in front of a fire on Christmas and just with the text, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. <laughs> Gorgeous. Like, we didn't ask to see your balls. It's art. Who? Do, no one asked to see art. Art thrusts itself upon you. Or the fact that every time like you get a DVD or Blu-ray, and you're like, hey, check out this Blu-ray, and then you just rest your balls on them. Or I, or I stick it in my butt crack. Yeah. And then get butt grease on it that I ruined the actual Blu-ray with or video game. It's basically, I mean, there's other Me Too's that have, that have just been text-based. James Franco was mostly, like, shitty at texting. Poor Franco. And Louis C.K. was just masturbating on the phone sometimes. Lucy? Is it a girl or a guy? Louis C.K. Oh, Louis C.K. Lucy K. <laughs> Lucy K. Oh, Lucy K. She sounds hot. Get some cool boys. <laughs> <laughs> so serious. I think World War II just started.